to share some, just some stories. I have, I have like three sermons, which, you know, I've been gone and hearing a lot of preaching, stirring up a lot of sermons in me, right? So I'm like, oh, great. Y'all don't want to be here today when I have three sermons. So I was like, the Lord, what do you want to say? Like, what do you want to say today? And he says, just connect with them. I was like, all right. So I'm going to tell you some stories. All right. Story time. You all right? Yes. I will go faster if you're participating. I promise. But I want to go story time today. And I want to take you just on a short journey. I want to kind of give you some of the highlights from the trip and some things that happened just in the past. So maybe 15 years ago, um, before um, Bill Johnson was world famous Bill Johnson, Apostle Bill Johnson, he came to Family, Family Worship Center to what we called a Hungry Preachers Conference. That's what it was called. Hungry Preachers Conference. I think all preachers are always hungry because that's all we do is go to church and eat, right? Anyway, y'all are a tough, ah, they're a tough crowd, man. Oh, I, I should have worn a clown suit and juggle or something. <clears throat> so we're there, and I, you know, church boy, grew up in church my whole life. I, I knew the gospel. I knew revival. We saw people healed. Um, I was one of those crazy David type worshipers, crazy run into the battle. I remember one night, um, they were moving a new mosque down the street from Family Worship Center. Anyone remember that? When that happened, it was a big deal. We were like, man, why is there a Hindu temple? I think it was a Hindu temple, actually. Hindu temple moving in right down the street from us. They're coming in on our property, our territory. They even bought up this property across the street from the church, and they named it an Asherah or something. It was some biblical idol. And I'm like, whoa, what's going on? I remember we're there on Sunday night in worship, and I don't know why. We just thought it'd be a great idea to run out the doors of the church. You remember we had the metal doors up around the front in the altar area, and we just took off straight out the ones that were close to the kids' facility, and we led a march down the street, and we were like, we're going to go march around that Hindu temple, and we're going to worship God. And, and I look, look back and look around, and everyone's, that's the kind of church we grew up in, Pentecostal church. I mean, we, we even went through the phase where we had the choirs and the choir robes, and we would march in, you know, we'd have the whole march in, the whole thing come down the aisle, and church, like we had church, right? That's how we grew up. Um, messages and tongues, interpretations, prophecies, people slain in the spirit, people being set free from demons and being delivered. This is my history. I can't tell you how many times I have been thrown up on by people with demons. Gross. Worst thing that could ever happen to you right? That's what we grew up in. I remember people being healed. I remember people coming in drunk and us praying for them and then being sobered up and giving their heart to the Lord. I remember people coming in and confessing adulterous affairs and God healing people's marriages, like ridiculous things we grew up in. How many remember? This is our heritage as a church. This is who we are. So this is what I grew up in, but something shifted for me in about 2004 when we were at this Hungry Preachers Conference. And I heard the gospel preached in a way I had never heard it before. It was, it was the same words, but I heard it differently. And I made a covenant with God that I'm going to live my life to know God the way that guy knows God. That's how I felt. I'm just telling you. I'm lifting the veil. And it began my love affair with Bill Johnson and the things that they're doing. And um, I was, the, the, back then, they did CDs. They did Sermons of the Week. And, and here's how they did it. They were like, we want you to burn copies of these CDs and give them away to everyone you meet. Like, what church does that? 
Not sell them, not here. Like, take copies and burn them and give them away. We only ask for one thing for you to do. Write our name, our church address, our phone number, and our website on every one of these CDs. So guess what Jared used to do? I burned hundreds of CDs. I'm like, oh, you got to hear this message. And I would sit there with my hand and write 903 um, College View or whatever the address was. I, I can't even remember it now. I probably, if I started writing, I might would write it out. But hundreds of times, this was me. I'm like, you got to hear, you got to hear what God's doing here. And I was like, I'm, I give my life to this message. And so for the last 15 years, we've been trying to, trying to figure out what that looks like for me. I went through a time where I lost who I was trying to be someone that I wasn't. You're, you're, you, you respect someone so much that you start copying and imitating them. I did that. I, I, I went as far as, except for the Hawaiian shirts back then. That was the thing. I didn't wear the Hawaiian shirts and get the black rim glasses, you know. But there was just this hunger for what they had. And I said, I'm going to give my life to it. And so that's what we've been pursuing. I feel like when we went to the bridge, that it was like God hiding us for a while. I hear, go and hide for like eight years. It's going to be the desert. <laughs> it's going to be the desert. We saw crazy things happen there, too. We saw some of the same stuff. Demon-possessed people set free. We, we, we saw we heard manifestations. And uh, I was telling the kids, I wrote down, I was going to do this a few weeks ago, so I wrote down a list of some of the things that happened at the bridge. And one of the things that there was this season um, where we would be in worship service. And if you were at the bridge ever, the room was a little bit smaller, quite a bit smaller than this room. But man, when, when worship would kick off and the room was pretty full, like it felt like we were thousands of people. And it felt like the presence of God was so heavy. And I remember I was on the front row and I, I would worship. And there would be when the, the atmosphere would shift, oil would appear on my hands. And I didn't tell you, I didn't go up and say, hey, look at the oil. It was just a thing between me and my sons, both of them, Matthias and Josiah. I would be like, look, like, this is how I know God's here. Like, there's this tangible oil. I remember one time that, that this was happening, and I just knelt on my knees and began to worship. And when I stood up, my knees, both of my knees were soaked with oil. Like, this is the stuff that was happening. That We saw feathers and gold dust and, and mani manifestations of God just saying, I'm real. This is how we lived, and we've been pursuing this and going after this message. And over the last few, few weeks and months and years, God's been restoring my identity as, as a David. I'm not anything else. Like, I'm David. I'm a worshiper. That's what I love to do. I, I'd be happy if all we did was just worship. And I know I talk a lot, and we like to preach the word. We will always preach the gospel. But you just can't beat worship. Like sitting at Jesus' feet and loving on him is my favorite thing to do in the whole world. It's literally my favorite thing. I love to sing worship to the Lord. And so God's been restoring that identity of a David who, God, I don't care. If you're there, I'll be the doorkeeper. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than anything else. I'd rather be a doorkeeper than the richest person, but to be among the ungodly. I, I would rather be a doorkeeper in your house than thousands of days or years elsewhere. I'd rather be in your courts, God. And God's been restoring that. And so as that identity is being restored and I'm remembering who I am, who I was, I told you a few weeks ago how I was the guy that sat in the room with Kenny G, just the music and would write worship songs. Um, and it's funny how those words are still there when I'd hear, I'll be in a restaurant and one of those old songs will come on, I'll, I'll start singing it. 
And, and that's my, that's who I've been forever. Um, I've probably written hundreds and hundreds of songs that no one's ever going to hear or ever heard, but it was for me and God. So God's been restoring that identity. And when uh, Wednesday night, when we got there to the conference, I stepped into the room and there's just over 2000 people. There's not a place to sit. Uh, there's no empty seats. There's very full. There are whole sections of, so over here, so if you're looking from the stage, there's a whole section of people from Russia, over a hundred people from Russia. In the center section, there's a whole section, more than a hundred people from China and Taiwan. At great risk, they came to this conference, China. You're not allowed to be an outward evangelical Christian in China. And then there's another section equally over a hundred people or so from Norway. And we're in this room all worshiping together. And I cannot, I wanted to bottle up the sound of the room and just say, this is the sound of heaven. Like there were times where the music would just pretty much settle and stop and it would just be some just soft music. Is this okay? You guys are going on a journey today. There was this soft, just music. And then all of a sudden everyone began to sing in tongues and for like three or four minutes, like tongues. And it was so loud. And I'm a loud singer. All you know that about me, right? I couldn't hear myself. That's how loud the, it was deafening. And people are singing in tongues. And it would start out, and then it would hit this hum where like the whole room like tuned, like the tuning for it, the bing. And then we were singing in this, this together. And it was beautiful. And I just weep. I'm like, God, this is the sound of heaven. This is what it sounds like to sing heaven's song. This is that song they wrote years ago. This is it. And so my identity is being restored. And then I'm there. And I'm, I'm watching Bill worship. And he's like, uh, I don't know how to explain it. He's just infatuated with, with God. Like his face is filled with joy and he would just grab his heart and he would worship. I was like, I recognize that. Like that's who I've been, you know? And so it's like the Lord says, I've been restoring your identity and now I want to restore your calling. This is what you're called to. Revival. That's what I mean. Revival. The sound of heaven. The ability to tap into the unseen realm and, and see it manifest in this, in this temporary realm, right? And so I, I feel that's what we're called to. And so you would hear these nations just singing out. <coughs> I would find myself more often looking away from the stage and just watching the Russians worship and watching the people from China worship and the people from Norway and seeing the expression on their face and their love for God. And there was, there was a song, um, I, I don't even know the name of it, but um, there comes to a point where it says, and I ran out of that grave. You ever heard that song before? Is it, oh my goodness, yeah, you'll be hearing it probably really soon. But when I, this was a morning session. Everyone's supposed to be asleep and tired. And we, like they start that song, and when they get to that part, again, the place goes crazy. Like Everyone's dancing and twirling and singing. And again, I'm loud, and I can't even hear myself sing. And I'm like, this is awesome, right? And I start thinking about it. I'm like, why is this so awesome? Like, why am I so attracted to this? And what? Because this is what we were born for. We were born for that sound. We were born to host the nations in this church. I love everyone from other nations. We love you. We're so glad you're part of our church. I want people from India to, to be part of our church. I want people from Mexico. I don't care. Borders all over the globe. We were made to host the nations, to have the sound of heaven at Fire Life, Family Worship Center, all the past, the tabernacle, the bridge. We were made to host the nations. 
We were made to sing praises to God that deafens people. Come on. We were made for this. And so I uh, just, was just thinking about the sacrifices and the things that, that Bethel have, have made for that to be real. Because you don't just trip into that kind of atmosphere. You don't just get great musicians and great singers and great psalmists and put them on a stage and create that atmosphere. There have been years of this is what we live for. We live for one thing. It's the presence of God. They would say it. They want to host the presence of God. And I, I want to remind Firelife, this is what we live for. Like, if we're pursuing other things in life above the presence, get rid of it. Make some shifts. Make some adjustments. If he's not the first thing that we think of in the morning and the last thing we think about when we go to sleep, then we need to fix that. He needs to be the only thought that's in our head that matters. Come on. He needs to be the center. And I, I want to remind us of that, that we're called to this. We're called to have healthy families. We're called to, to be healthy people. All those things that we talk about, all those things we say we want to be, we're called to those things. But first and foremost, we are called to be pursuers of the presence and the face of God. And when we do that really well, everything else will take care of itself. Everything else will click into place. It is the one thing that matters the most. It's the presence of God. And we have to pursue him on our own every day, every moment we get a chance to. It's the presence. It changes everything. And so I'm just thinking about all this stuff, and I'm thinking about what God's called this church to, and all the prophecies, and all the, the memories that would come, they were coming to mind, the, what God's called us to. And I'm like, God, there seems to be such a great distance between where we are right now and what I feel like you've called us to. And God's like, there is no distance. I'm like, are you sure? Hey, come here and see what I come see what I see. <sighs> Scarcity is a lie. Poverty is a lie. I saw that quote the other day and I was like, that's what God's trying to say to me. Like, lack is a liar. In the kingdom, there is no lack. We do not lack for anything in the kingdom. So that distance that I feel between what God's called us to and where we are now is non-existent in his eyes. All that we need to do is to step into that place. And that requires all of us. It requires personal sacrifice. It requires discipline. I know Hank talked about fasting. It requires fasting. It requires prayer. It requires a, a, a holiness in our lifestyle. And I don't mean holiness by someone can measure our holiness. I mean holiness by we are so in love with Jesus that we're made whole. That we become like him. Are y'all okay? This is what we're born for. So when you say that you're part of Fire Life Church, this is my agenda. My agenda isn't to just make the, the place seem prettier and feel better and to, to take the whole property and use it because it's ours. That's not only part of my agenda. My agenda is to win the lost. My agenda is for the presence of God to be so thick here that there are manifestations of his glory every time we gather. 
whether that's in our car on the way home from church or whether we gather in this room or we walk around the parking lot it, it, or you're at work. <laughs> so how many feel the same way? Like, I feel, I feel like that. I was having this talk with my mother-in-law about the church and, and it's awesome to have conversations that are healthy. <laughs> Because usually when people ask about the church, there's two questions they want to know. You want me to tell you the two questions people want to know when they talk about fire life? How many people are coming and how are the offerings? And I'm like, you do not get it, do you? You don't get it. It is not about people, the number of people. It's not about the number of the offering. It's, not, it's about people becoming healthy. About people coming alive. So when I look and I know the stories of the past few years of what God's doing, I see people coming alive. I, I hear our kids coming alive. I, I, I feel better about everything when I judge by God's standard versus man's standard. I feel good about what God's doing here. And so we were having this talk, and, and she's like, it seems like God has just really put together a group of really great leaders in your church. I was like, yeah, like everyone that comes is a leader. Hello? All of you. You are all called to be leaders. Like, you're being trained right now. Like, this season has been a training process. It's going to ramp up next year of training because when new people come in here, guess who's going to be their pastors? You are. Guess who's going to have them in, their ho- in your homes? You are. Guess who's going to pray for them for their marriages? You are. Guess who's going to heal them? Jesus is, but you're going to pray for them, right? <laughs> right? You guys, guess who's going to preach the gospel to them? You are. Guess who's going to set the captives free? Jesus is, but you're going to be the one doing it with him, right? You guys, this is going to be a team effort, and we're going to ramp up our efforts to to train and equip and to release people because of the harvest that God is going to bring in. He told his disciples, don't say in three months. Don't say six months. Don't say in a year comes the harvest. He goes, if you will open your eyes and see appropriately, the fields are ripe for the harvest now. So don't pray for the harvest. What did he say to pray for? Workers. That the Lord of the harvest would send forth laborers and workers into the harvest. That's who you and I are. We're laborers and workers for the harvest. I just wanted to remind us of who we are, go down a little memory lane. There were two other things that happened that were really cool I just want to tell you about. One, there was a lady named Haley Braun. She basically runs the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. So she's from South Africa, and she was given the topic to preach on women in ministry. And she says, I don't even want to talk about this topic. Like, she, she opened up, I don't have an ax to grind. I'm not a feminist, and I don't hate men. And I was like, okay, good, I can listen now because you start this message and, and sometimes there's this feel like we have to hate men for women to be, be lifted up. That's not the case. Like we're both supposed to be called to be powerful. And so that was her message. And she preached, and, I, and we're probably even going to pull it up and, and show it some week because it was unbelievable, the wisdom and the way that she spoke about women in ministry and how... God called man and woman to co-reign together, to co-rule together. It's not one over the other. It's together. That It requires both. And so when she finished, you're in a room full. I mean, think about this for a minute. You're in a room with all different kinds of backgrounds, all different nations there. Women are, are viewed differently in, in all these different nations. 
And when she's finished, everyone gives a standing ovation, which they do for all the speakers, right? And it was like, oh, yeah, it was awesome. And then something happened in the middle of the ovation. And it turned into a second wave of ovation and a roar. And like, there you go, the goose. I was telling this to, to my brother, and the goosebumps popped up, and the gooseies are here again. As J-Lo would say, the gooseies. My gooseies have gooseies. Because there was like this, we are... There was this, they, the theme of the conference was like this Kairos moment. There, like there's chronological time and then there's Kairos time. Chronological time goes in a specific order, but Kairos time is God's timing. And when God says it's time for something to be released, you can, there's a shift in the atmosphere. And when we were cheering her on for that message and people were like, we're behind women being empowered in ministry and women coming out from the background, there was something that shifted in the room that was glorious. It was glorious. All right. It happened a second time. So Bill's going down just a list of all the nations that are there. And, and, you know, Texas is a nation that's there. And, uh, you know, Texans are always crazy. They're all like, what nation are you from? Everyone says, Texas. Texas. They're like, yeah, we know Texas is its own. So they're going down the list and they're like Russia and everyone's cheering for Russia and China and Taiwan. And we cheer for them. And then they go to Norway. And again, we're cheering for them, but then something shifted in it. And it was like the whole room got behind Norway. And so I just wanted to tell you that that goosies are back. <laughs> like this whole room, the cheer and the shout for them was like, go for it. Have a revival, have an awakening. And so I just want to say in your prayer time, when you hear Norway, when you hear, uh, you hear of it or see pictures of it, pray for the revival. And I promise you in the next few years, you're going to hear of this um, amazing revival that's happening in Norway. And I, I just was like, that moment may have been the spark for it, right? <clears throat> and so um, all of this, I'm going to close with this. I could keep going on and on and on and on. But... How many have heard of the first great awakening that happened in America, right? It was in the 17, mid to late 1700s. It was this great awakening of revival and repentance, and it, and it lasted for 20, 30, 40 years. Sometimes, some say a little bit longer in different places. And then there was, like, it stopped, and then there was nothing for a while. And then there was the second great awakening. How many have heard of that? Charles Finney and some of the revival stuff that was happening in the 1800s. And there was a second great awakening, and, and then there was the... The Welsh Revival in 1904, if you haven't heard of this, hundreds of thousands of people were saved in this Welsh, small little wells, small little island, part of, part of the island of England, greater, and they had this revival, and, and then right after that, 1906, there's Azusa Street, how many have heard of Azusa Street? Like, that was only like a two-year revival to 1904 through 1906 or so. And did you know that the Assemblies of God and the Church of God in Christ were birthed out of the Azusa Street Revival? And actually, the missions that you, you've experienced and seen, some of you are fruit from the missions, the Assembly of God missions from around the world. It sparked from that moment and in that time. And people went all over the world preaching the gospel. They didn't know the language. They just believed Holy Spirit would teach them as they went. And so that happened in 1906. And then you go a little bit forward and then there were the revivals of the tent revivals have you heard of that i remember olin and linda they used to be tent revivalists did you know that miracles preach the gospel this happened all over the country right and then there was the 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 billy graham movement where he was preaching in stadiums and and hundreds and thousands and millions of people gave their heart to the lord and then there was the hippie jesus movement in the 60s, right? And, and it's funny because in 1966, Time Magazine posts on the cover this question. Is God dead? Something, I'm butchering it, but it's pretty much, is God dead? 
And then just a few years later, guess what's on the cover of Time Magazine? The Jesus Movement, right on the front of it. These people all over are getting radically saved, these hippies. I mean, just hippie people are getting saved. And, and it's funny because they would all get saved and they would come into the church and the church had really pretty pews and nice carpet and these hippies would come in barefooted and sweaty in their dreadlocks and all this stuff, right? They would come in and all the church people would be like, man, we paid a lot of money to have this nice carpet. And so some of the pastors ripped the carpet up out of the church and says, let them come in. There was a, a Pirate's Cove in California. They would baptize hundreds of people right there in the ocean. Who just baptized and they get saved and baptized. So there's hippie movement. And then there were some other small little sprinkles of revival. Um, in 1990, there was the men's movement. How many remember that? Promise Keepers? Yeah, yeah I, rem- I went to one of those at the old Texas Stadium. Promise Keepers. Bill McCartney was the coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, and they start this movement of men taking responsibility for their lives and being godly and being husbands and being leaders. And then not long after that, there was the Toronto outpouring. How many have heard of that? Toronto. It's still going on, by the way. Toronto outpouring. They Talk about miracles and signs and wonders and manifestations. Crazy. I even forgot the one in the, the late 80s, the Rodney Howard Brown, the laughing revival. How many remember that? Everyone got so offended because Christians were laughing. Like, we have a lot to laugh about. <laughs> we cry a lot. We have more to laugh about. So then there was the Brownsville revival. How many remember that? 95 on Father's Day. Kilpatrick for two years had been praying for revival, and on Father's Day, God showed up, and they had a revival where hundreds and thousands of people were saved, healed, and delivered, right? And then there hasn't been a whole, whole lot since. And I don't know how to explain it, but it feels like something's happening right now. I I know that it's happening. When you see Kanye West going into the the prisons, and preaching the gospel, and these people are getting radically saved by a, a hip-hop artist who didn't know God till we don't know, it seems like he's known him for a long time, but didn't come out knowing God until recently, like something's happening. People in Hollywood are getting saved, like it's being hidden. It's like when Jesus, healed, in Mark 8, a blind man comes to Jesus and says, would you, would you heal me? And Jesus spits in the mud and puts it on his eyes, and, and he's like, how's that? He's like, well, everything looks like trees now. And so Jesus put his hand over his eyes again, and, and we moved his hands to the guy and said, I can see everything clearly. It's perfect. And Jesus said, don't go tell anyone. I feel like that's kind of what's going on right now. Like we're in that moment of the revival where it's like some really big, important, powerful people are getting saved. And they're like, don't tell anyone right now. But when the time's right, you're going to hear unbelievable testimonies and stories of revival is breaking out right now. I really do feel like, and, and I even heard someone talking on the radio, like, could this be the third great awakening? Could we be in the swell of a third great awakening? Could this be the time, the moment we were born for that we get to be thrust into the harvest field right now as Fire Life, we get to join arms and say, hey, we're doing our job and we're going to bring as many as we can into the kingdom. I'm telling you, that's what, that's what the rest of our life is going to be. It's not going to end. Famous prophet Bob Jones prophesied that there will be a billion soul harvest coming. A billion souls. There's already over a billion Christians on the planet. Can you imagine what happens when that doubles and triples, and it's right now, and you and I get to live and be part of that. All the other stuff in life is insignificant in comparison to this calling. 
I closed, I said I was closing. Man. All right. Really closing. So Chris Valentin preached on Sunday. We went to the, to the early service. <clears throat> and as he's preaching, he's getting to the very end. And he's telling the story of how they went out and they won the city to the Lord, basically. They, they, they were praying for it and they would go out. And he said for over a year, God just had him walk the streets and pray for the city. And then they were putting a team together of people to go out and do the same thing. And as he's telling the story, it's, he's closing up his sermon, a feather floats like right in front of me. And I'm just like, any, any other feathers in the room? Nope. Just one right here in front of my face. I'm like, I'm looking at Mandy trying to get her attention. She's not paying attention to me. I'm like, all right, I'm going to grab this feather. So I reach out and I grab the feather and I look in my hand and I like, I don't see it. Like, I know I grabbed it. I, I'm, I'm a ball player. I can catch, right? I, I bring it here and I'm like, it's not here. So I'm like, I dust my hand off and it floats out of my hand and it floats down onto the floor. I'm like, whoa, right? As he says that, Chris is like, we're praying. It's going to be like a three minute prayer. I look at this preaching clock because they have a countdown timer, all right? Three minutes exactly when he says it's a three minute prayer. I'm like, oh, the timing. Like God was telling me timing, timing. Like there's something happening right now. So I just wanted to encourage you that God is up to something and he has positions available if we want them. Like he's posted job opportunities. Would you stand up? He's posted job opportunities, volunteer opportunities. When Isaiah saw the Lord, he's like, I saw him, he was high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple. And then the Lord's like, well, who should I send? He's like, oh, I know, I'll go. Send me. So that's what I want to pray today. How many feel that way? Like, I don't care what it is. I don't care what the title is. I don't care what it looks like. Just, I want to be on the team. I don't want to be left out. I don't want to just show up and sit in a seat. I want my life to matter. I want it to matter for someone other than just me. Yeah, raise your hand. Come on. You want to? Yes, Father, God, we have been drafted into your army today. (laughs) no turning back. I pray that today is a moment, a a Kairos moment, a moment that shifts the life of everyone in this room, God. I pray that we will be apprehended. Come on, Paul talked about this. For I forget what's behind and I press toward the mark, toward the thing that has apprehended me. God, I pray that your kingdom and the message of your kingdom will apprehend us. I pray that it will grab our hearts and won't let go. I pray that our sons and daughters will prophesy, that old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. I pray that the maidservants and the handservants would see miracles and signs and wonders. God, I ask that we would be part of this great awakening that's happening. Come on. We say yes. If it's holding the door, if it's making sure the Kleenexes are full, if it's preaching the gospel, if it's singing, if it's just being in the background, I don't care what you call me to do. I just want to be on the team and I want my life to matter for someone else. I'm tired of living for Jared. I want my life to matter for other people. That's the message of the gospel. He's in us for us but he's on us for other people. Would you say that God's in me for me, but he's on me for others? Now, Father, I ask that you would ignite our hearts for this purpose. I ask that the next, the next shift, the, the Kairos moment for fire life would step into, that would move, that we would step into it right now. Hmm. We ask that we would never be the same. 
God, not just inwardly. I'm asking for outwardly measurable manifestations of your glory and your power. I'm asking for outward displays of your authority in, in this house, in this church. God, I pray that, that there will never be another day like today, but things will shift, God. Not because you have changed, but because we said yes. I pray one more thing, God. Change our appetites. Change what nourishes us. May we say what you said, Jesus. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me. And to accomplish his purpose on the earth. God, that's what we're called to. That's who fire life is. That's who every one of us are. We are not called to live an insignificant, selfish life. Hmm. So you asked for a job? Hello? You asked to volunteer? Now you need to ask him for the tools. God, what tools do I need to accomplish what you've called me to? What tools do I currently not see in my arsenal that I need to do what you've called me to? Now, God, I ask that you give me now those tools. Give us those tools now. You're the gift giver. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. <laughs> I ask that you give us all new tools. Tools of purpose. And God, we pray this, that you may receive the reward that you deserve, Jesus. Amen. Yeah. All right. You want to close that? Good. It's I'm, we're having I'm, we're having to adjust the lights. I I don't even see your faces. I see a couple of you. Like it's just the way it's going to be. So I I think all right. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. I, I I had a dream last night. Um, actually, I don't know even know what the dream was. It's was one of those ones where you dream, you wake up, you realize the message of the dream, I guess. Uh, it was, I was confused about the calendar, the time, and every time I went into the closet, I understood it. Um, and then you're talking about this Kairos moment, this Kairos, like, I don't want to miss it. And so uh, this idea of just diving into the Lord and understanding the season, understanding what's going on and joining in with him. And I don't know, it's powerful. That's good stuff. Um, I, uh, 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 when praying um, uh, during worship, uh, the verse out of Song of Songs popped into my head, and it had to do with like uh, foxes. 
Um, and, in, and if you ever read Song of Songs, it's, it's, it's kind of wild at first. <laughs> You're like, whoa, what am I reading? Um, and uh, uh, but it's actually, many people believe it's, it's an allegory of Jesus speaking to the brides, Jesus speaking to the church, and Jesus speaking to our hearts. It's very powerful And if you read it in that context. And in this part right here, it's, it's just, uh, you know, as, as far as the allegory, it's Jesus talking to us. It says, my dove in the clefts of the rock in the hiding places on the mountains, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards and our vineyards, uh, our vineyards that are, are in bloom. And so like this idea that Jesus is talking to, like get rid of the foxes, get rid of them, uh, get rid of the stuff that's going to hinder that, that deep intimacy with Jesus. And... Um, I closed my eyes again. I, I, so like the, the, I don't know if you've ever read the book of Job. It's, it's the, out of Job 19. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And it's like, I know. I'm like, I know he's there. If you know anything about Job, it's, I mean, if you were to say that, you're like, good gosh, how could a man like that say my, my Redeemer lives? Like he redeems. And then I get in my mind's eye. I see Jesus just throwing me a bag of all the junk I've lost. Just here you go. And you're like, awesome. Awesome. And so I'm, I'm thinking just everything you're saying, it's like Jesus restoring, redeeming, bringing back, uh, uh, just giving, giving life again to the things that have been just been taken from these little foxes that come in. And we, we have the ability to get rid of them just to take them by the tail and get out of there. And, uh, and I, I don't know, just real quick, if you don't mind just praying that real quick, just put your hand over your heart real fast and just tell it just to the, the world. My redeemer lives. My Redeemer lives. I'll just say it again. My Redeemer lives. And, and we believe it, Jesus, that you redeem. You redeem the things that have been stolen and lost and taken and destroyed. Lord, we declare that you rebuild. We declare that you uh, revive. We declare that you bring life. As Shagun said earlier, like just the, the resurrection power of Jesus, we, we declare it and we claim it. We're going to live like it. So, Lord, we, we live with the expectation that you will redeem. Come, Jesus. Let us join with the roar of heaven. Let's go where you go. Let's do what you do, Lord. We just, we join with you in Jesus' name. We declare it this week and the momentum would build in Jesus' name. I love you guys. Uh, uh, prayer team, if y'all want to come up, um, we want to pray for you guys. Uh, if you need prayer for anything, we'd love to just pray for you. Just, uh, again, that's, that's, I just want to hang out with Jared, honestly, for a while now. I'm just like, tell me more stories. More. I want to hear more stories. I want to hear more. Anyways, but uh, we love you guys. Y'all have a great day.